bless us today as we, uh, as we come before you. God, there's a lot going on. There's horrible things that just happened even last night. Lots of bad things happen in our world, Lord. Uh, help us, help us to see you, Lord, to trust in you and not to be overcome with everything that's out there. Help us not to live in fear, not to live in anger, but to live with the gospel truth that there's hope. And you gave that hope. That, Lord, help us to, to want to give that hope to the world around us. Help us do that. And through that, Lord, convict us of our sins. Expose them. God, we're good at justifying them. We're good at hiding them. We're good at forgetting our sins for some odd reason. Help us, Lord, repent of them, to turn from them, to like them less and less, even though we struggle with them. Help us to dislike them more, to have, to have this sin in our life, to grow a, very much a distaste for it so that we turn to you. So be with us now, Lord, and fill us with hope, love, and peace so we can consistently live out the faith before you and the world around us, pointing to you. Amen. So today our title is Suit Up Part 3. We're going to continue looking at the armor of God. But before we dive in, a few things that need, uh, we need to remember for our context. The first thing is we need to remember that ultimately, ultimately, each piece of armor that Paul goes over in this passage is really pointing to the same thing. Trusting in Christ for everything. So with that then, Paul gets pretty detailed with each piece of armor and, and what he's doing, right? If, if we could put it in some terms here, he is showing us what trusting in Christ for everything looks like in our day-to-day life. I mean, he could have just said, take up the whole armor of God, left it at that, moved on, closed the book here and at the end of chapter 6, and that's it. But he didn't. He spends time with each piece of armor for the most part and gives significant details for us to see how useful each piece of armor is for us in our life and how it should be used. Now, why why would he do so? I mean, well, the most important answer, the, the main answer is that God will be glorified with our life. For that is what we're called called to now as Christians, to live for the glory of God in everything. So you can put it this way. Paul's on a mission to help us see that through putting on this armor, we are on this course of living in the truth, in the absolute truth that Christ is our life now. Christ is our life now, as it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, Christ, who is, who is your life. So we are now living on this path that sees Christ at the center of it all. For in him, we ultimately receive our strength, our identity, our security, our peace, our comfort, our hope, our rescue, our justification, our purpose, our meaning, and our direction in this life. Christ is not part of our life now. No, he is our life now. That is the truth we are called to live in. And we live by faith then in him for everything. And again, Paul here is helping us see what that somewhat abstract principle looks like in real time. 
by looking to Christ to define, provide, sustain, and empower everything in our life by faith alone in Him. Now, the other reason why Paul spends so much time and gets detailed in the armor of God is that there is a demonic, demonic force out there, Satan and his minions, who are on an evil, sinister mission to have you not see or forget the truth that Christ is your life now. They are doing whatever it takes to have you see him as only part of your life, a small section of your life now as a Christian. So that through, this, through, through Satan's influence in this world, he can persuade you to continue in sin, increase in sin, and not repent of your sin or turn away from your sin. His goal is to have you to compartmentalize your life so that Jesus is just a small section of your life amongst everything else. He doesn't want you to see him as the house you live in. He wants you to see it as just some place that's rented, some apartment up in the far right corner in this building. Well, let, me put you in a, let me put it in a different way. Uh, to shed, shed here some light as to, what, to why we need to take up this whole armor of God in our life so you can see this on a very practical level wherever your current situation of life is. Satan, through his influence of the world, or in this world, is on a mission to make everything else but Jesus be your life or the center of your life. He wants your kids, your grandkids, your marriage, your friends, your health, your family to be your life or the center of your life. He wants your job, your home, your hobbies, your pets. He wants your school he, to be your life or the center of your life, not Jesus. He wants security, comfort, finances, vacation, your sleep, getting away from everything, media, politics, whatever, whoever, to be your life or the center of your life. And to only have Christ be a small part or small addition to your life. He wants you to live for and from everything else but Jesus. Like Jesus is just an hour on Sunday morning, if that. Keeping Jesus as a prayer before a meal. Keeping Jesus as a quick thought to get you out of some inconvenience in your life, but that's it. You move on. Satan wants you to forget that Christ is with you wherever you go now, and you are his child, so that you do not rely upon Jesus for everything as you go about your life. Satan wants you to rely, rely upon yourself and everyone else but Jesus. And as we fall prey to this, making much of everything else, making much of other things in our life, and keeping other things at the center of our life, and not having Christ as, as our life or the center of our life, so that we live from Him and for Him in all things, Satan comes in and crushes us. 
He exhausts us. He stresses us, he stresses us out. He brings more fuel to the anger in your life. He exasperates this self-righteous, judgmental attitude within us. He consumes us with the pressure of making it in this life, overwhelms us with about being successful according to worldly standards. Or he breaks you down and crushes you when your children or loved ones do not succeed according to the world's ways. And it makes you feel useless. Like you messed up. When anything but Christ is at the center, we just give in to more and more sin. Because the things, because things, even people, should only be part of our life, that should be only part of our life, become our life. And we forget Jesus is the one that is at the center of our life. And everything should revolve around Him, revolve around His ways, around His standards, His definitions, His purpose for His glory. So when we fall into or give into the lie that Christ is not our life but only part of it, then Satan and his ways influence us, entice us, string us along, persuade us to follow the ways of sin because our eyes are looking at everything else but Jesus, which again is Satan's mission. He wants you to not see Jesus as your everything and to not go to Jesus for your everything. So with all this in mind then, we're going to look at our text today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Paul says, This, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, if you notice right off the beginning here, right off the bat, Paul unashamedly comes at us with a very blunt and yet very basic concept that has, in principle, been repeated much throughout this letter and repeated much from this pulpit. And this brings us to our first point. Trust in Jesus for everything. Paul says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Or more directly, live by faith in Jesus for everything, in everything, with everything. Now, I'm sure many of you would say, yes, John, we get that. We've heard this before. Trust in Jesus for everything. Some of you may even be like shutting down saying, is he ever going to say anything different? Is he ever going to say anything new? Well, my friends, let let me tell you why this basic principle of taking up the shield of faith in all circumstances, trusting Jesus for everything, in at all times, bears repeating over and over and over and over. You ready? Here's the sad truth. The moment when you, including myself, walk out those doors of the church, it will be as if this statement was never stated and you never even heard of it. When we walk out to our cars, go back to our homes, go back to our life, guess what? We stress out. We begin to worry. 
we begin to fester anger, create new grudges, tear into those who hurt us, explode in wrath on those around us or loved ones, become envious or jealous of others because of their so-called easy, perfect life. Everything's all together. And become very critical or become very critical of our fellow church members to others. Like, can you believe so-and-so on Sunday? What were they wearing? What were they saying? They sat in my spot. (laughs) We live again in this defeated emotional state because of all the hardships going on in our life. We just go right back into our lusting when no one's looking. We fall right back into our pride and so on and so on and so on. And if you say, well, I don't do any of that, John. Yes, you do. Maybe not what I stated here, but I just need to ask those closest to you or just creepily follow you around. We all fall into sin and do so so very easily because we too often forget to take up the shield of faith that has been provided for us. We still have a sinful nature within us. Even though we are saved, we're going to heaven. Amen. Saved by grace. But still, as the old hymn says, we are prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And the only way to overcome our sin, to not give in to our sin, to flee from our sin, to turn from our sin, to have a disgust in our heart grow more towards sin, is by looking to Jesus, by going to Him by faith. Taking up that shield. And as much as you think that you have a handle on it, you don't which is why we need to be reminded and encouraged to mature in the truth that it's by faith alone in Jesus that we will overcome our sin, and that's it. And though it seems like such a simple truth, and in one sense, it is. I mean, a child can grasp it. But it's also a very deep truth that you'll never grow out of, you'll never grow apart from, you'll never leave behind but rather it is a truth you will grow more into because you're trusting in a person. You're growing in a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. He's not some far-off person, like in some far-off country that really doesn't have a connection to you. No. I mean, yes, he is in heaven with a full resurrected body, To never die again, that's physical. But we must remember, he's God. He is the God-man. Truly God and truly man. And because he is God, and not just a man, he's both. He is able to have a relationship with us directly. With you directly, sitting here in this room. And those of you online. He is present with us wherever we go. We are not alone. He's always there with you, always with his hand out, telling us, take it, follow him, lean on him, rely on, talk to him, trust in him alone. 
but we are so stubborn and so forgetful to listen. But praise be to God and His grace. His grace and love is greater than our stubbornness and our forgetfulness. The gospel's good news. God loves sinners unconditionally like you and me. Now, you might ask then, well then, what is this shield of faith that we're called to take up? Well, since we're dealing with the context of armor being given to us, right? This is God's armor given to you. Paul is saying we are to take up the gift of faith. For faith in itself is a gift from God to you and me. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not out of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Faith is one of those gifts. Now you might ask, wait a minute. Am I not supposed to, take, supposed to make my, my own choice and put my own faith in Jesus? Yes. Yes, you are. You must. And you have the responsibility to make the choice to reach out your empty hand of faith to Christ. But at the same time, it's also a gift from God. And that's clearly seen from the text. How that works, I have no idea. But Paul's not focusing on the how question here. He's dealing with the what question, the what do I have access to question. And he's encouraging us to use that. The shield of faith. And this brings us to our second point. Shield yourself in his promises. Now, by saying or calling it a shield, that word shield there, the image that's being portrayed with that word shield is this description of a massive shield that is about the size of a door. Not a hobbit's door, a big door. Think of it large enough to cover the entire human body under its shadow. So back to the question then. What is the shield of faith ultimately? You could define it this way. It's knowing, assenting, and trusting, cat. Knowing, assenting, trusting in the Lord's truths and promises over you. Or just believing that he will and is accomplishing all that he said over you through his son, Jesus Christ. So put it this way. To take up the shield of faith is to grow in our dependence upon Jesus for everything, with everything, in everything, rather than ourselves or anything else. See, faith is believing that God is good to his children, meaning he is being good to you now. He is blessing you now. He is changing you now. He is conforming you to the image of his son now. He is helping you now. His hand is over you now. He loves you now. He cares for you now. And he's working all things for your good in him now. And not just when things are going good in your life. Anyone believes when things are good. It's when the hard times hit. But when when things are tough, when things don't go as planned, 
when your relationships are breaking before your eyes, when financial troubles come, when you get hit with a horrifying disease or a loved one does, and this disease just won't seem to go away, but just seems to make your life miserable. When the pain sets in and the future looks bleak, like there's nothing out there, take up the shield of faith in the midst of it all. Don't get caught up in the woes of life. Don't get caught up when your sin just seems to be laughing at you, sitting on your couch saying, oh, sure, go ahead, try to stand. Go ahead, take, try to pick up that shield of faith. You know you'll be back here sitting next to me. You always come back. So just give up. You worthless, so-called Christian, you sinner. Paul says, no. You take up your shield of faith by standing in Jesus and his promises over you. Don't give ear to your sin. Your sin that's just there accusing you, yelling at you, saying, you hypocrite. Paul says, you take up the shield, ignore sin's deceptive and cunning temptations of, you know when you're presented again with that worry, you'll be back here fretting. You know when you come face to face with that beauty, you'll be back here sitting in your lust. You know when you see that person sitting there, or when you see that person, you'll be sitting here back with me in your rage and criticism and unforgiveness. You know when you see that sale, you'll sit here in your greed and spend that money you don't have. You know when you hear that discouraging mark again, you'll be right here wallowing in your misery and defeat. You know that when you come across someone's mistake or foolishness, you'll be right back here all puffed up in your self-righteousness. So why even bother to stand? Just sit here, give into it all, because you know you always will come back. When that is coming at you, Paul says, be encouraged by saying no. Understand there is hope for you and I from the power of sin and his, and his ways in our life. And that comes through the, field, through the shield of faith. Take it up. Trust in Jesus. Why? Because he says at the end of verse 16, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It is through faith in Christ alone that you overcome all the temptations and the power of sin in your life. And more specifically, overcome the great temptations that are thrown at you by the influence of Satan in this world. See, there is a promise here that is given to us in this last part of the text in regards to the flaming arrows that are shot at us day by day, moment by moment, by the twisted temptations or the seemingly pleasurable temptations in this world. Paul says we are not doomed to them, but through faith in Christ, by trusting in Him and His promises over us, that He has completely forgiven us, that He has adopted us, fully that he loves us 
unconditionally that he will never forsake us, but will bring us to the Father. No no matter how many times we fumble and mess up and sin, no matter how big that sin is, Paul says, through remembering gospel truths like that, by taking up the shield of faith like that, we do not just ward off the fiery arrows of temptations that are meant to set a fire to the kindle of lust, to the kindle of pride, to the kindle of hate and anger and racism and jealousy and greed and judgmentalism and worry and doubt and fear and hopelessness and criticalness and selfishness and intoxication, whatever it is. But this shield of faith, when you stand in it and take it up, extinguishes them. This shield will render all of those things useless over us, powerless over us, because we will remember that God gives us His grace, and His grace is greater than our sin. But you might ask, what if an arrow does hit you? What do I do with the arrow that's in me? Because I guarantee we're all going to get hit. I know I will. Because I often forget to take up my shield. I think I can always do things in my own strength. And then I get hit. Hard. So what do you do? Well, when that fiery arrow hits you, because you forgot the shield of faith, and it's driving itself in deep and begins to set ablaze your sin that just burns deep within you. Paul says, this is what Paul's saying here from this passage. Don't look at the arrow. Don't even try to take the arrow out. It's just going to burn you. Don't even look at it. Take up the shield of faith. Look to Christ. Take up the shield of faith even with the arrow that's in you. Just focus on his ever goodness and promise of the gospel towards you. Look upon Jesus, how he lived the life you could not live. He was perfect and sinless and obeyed all the laws of God on your behalf. Look to him and see how he died the death you deserve. He was treated and punished as the sinner in your place. He paid your debt of sin. Look to Christ and how he came back to life to give you what you could never earn. He earned peace with God. He earned all the blessings of God over you. He earned salvation for you. He earned everything for you that your end will be with his father and family in heaven for eternity will there be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear, no more sin, no more worry, no more hate. He will wipe every single tear from your eye as his child whom he loves dearly. Paul says, focus on that. Focus on Jesus and that arrow that pierced, that's burning, will be extinguished. Because that's what the shield of faith does to all the arrows where they obstruct you or the ones that are coming. It extinguishes them. 
See, the main idea then of taking up the shield is not to focus on the burning arrows that are coming at us. Don't focus on your sins. When you see them, go to Christ. Paul is very blunt to say, look, all those arrows, they're coming at you whether you like it or not. Satan's going to be firing at you whether you like it or not. There is no moment of peace. There is no ceasefire. The arrows will come at you in all sorts of different ways. So Paul is saying here, don't wait until you can see clearly an arrow coming at you. No, Paul says, just take up the shield of faith now in front of you to stop all the arrows, to extinguish all the arrows that are already in you. Look to Christ. Live with this massive door of a shield in front of you right now and don't put it down. But then there's us on the practical level that says, well, wait a minute. If I take up this massive shield, this big shield in front of me, I won't be able to see. How am I supposed to block the attacks that are coming? If I'm too focusing on Jesus all the time, how am I going to see my sins? What's going to happen? My friend, that's the point. You're not supposed to be focusing on anything else. Satan arrows are so crafty that you don't even know what, what to block most of the time. But Christ does. Christ does. Look to him. Look to his gift of the shield of faith in front of you. Or really, just keep your eyes on Christ. And this brings us to our last point. Jesus is your shield by faith in him. Paul, in essence, is really saying this. Let Jesus do the defending. Trust him to do the extinguishing. Trust him to do it on his time, according to his ways. You have to wait on him. It says lots of times in the scripture, wait upon the Lord. Because if you don't, and you try to defend yourself without him, or extinguish these arrows without him, you're setting yourself up for failure, or legalism, or just... Just more sin in your life. Paul says here, just look to Christ. He can and he will and he is defending you and he is protecting you. Even if you can't see it in the moment, even if you can't feel it in the moment, and even if you don't understand how it's possible. We by faith are called to believe it because that's his promise given to us as his children now. For ultimately, he is our shield of faith. By looking to him. And over and over again in scripture, God is spoken of as our shield in whom we trust. In Genesis 15.1, the first book of the Bible, it says, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Though he's speaking to Abraham, it's really too to us. Deuteronomy 33.29, A people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help. 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Psalm 3, 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Psalm 7, 10. My shield is with God. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my... You guys can say it. Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord, for he is our help and our... Proverbs 30, verse 5. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. 
God always makes good on his promises to his beloved children. You can just read that over and over in Scripture. And the absolute proof that truly then he is our shield now through faith in him, how do I know it's for me? It's the cross, the gospel. You look to Jesus because the cross is the ultimate verification of him making good on his promise to defend us and to do only good to us through faith in Jesus despite our failures and sins towards him. He saved and loves sinners such as you and I. He won't let you go. So if you believe in Jesus, understand that he is the one to defend you from the evil one and his temptations all by just believing in Jesus. That's it. Faith. Trust in him. By resting in Jesus through standing in his armor with him as your shield, he will fight for you as you rest in him. So take up your shield of faith now. Keep your eyes upon Jesus now. And by him alone, you and I will overcome in him because we have already overcome this world because he has. We win. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Deacons will come up here if you'd like to pray with one of them. Let me invite you, if you don't know Jesus today, I pray today you come to know him. If you're struggling, I pray that today you go to him. If there's something going on in your life, take up that shield of faith. It just means trust in Jesus. Stop looking to everything else. Just look to him. Trust in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful good news. This wonderful news that you are our great defender. That when we don't even know how to defend ourselves, you're defending. We just need to trust. That's it. And God is so good to know that it's not the quality of our faith that makes you defend us more or less. It's just that we have faith at all. And God, that's good news. Thank you for loving sinners. Thank you for loving sinners such as us who are imperfect in your ways who get all prided up and self and puffed up when we do something good and we think that we deserve better and we can do things on our own and then we fail hard and you still love us. Thank you for that hope. God, I pray that people can recommit themselves to trusting in you, recommit themselves to just following after you and whatever it is to see you at the center and work from that to glorify you with whatever they are doing. And if someone doesn't know you here today, I pray that today they just reach out to you saying, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of your grace. We pray this in your son's name, amen.